From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. In Washington, President Joe Biden is working to satisfy different wings of the Democratic Party as he tries to get his Build Back Better bill passed. Closer to home, the city of Dallas is tackling ethics reform, Texans are split on Governor Greg Abbott, and inside the election audit being conducted in one North Texas county. Before we get started, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Lone Star Politics Podcast. It helps us grow the show and helps others find it. President Biden went to Capitol Hill on Friday to talk to members of his own party about the $1 trillion infrastructure plan and a broader $3.5 trillion bill. The larger bill would rewrite some of the nation's tax and spending policies that would essentially raise taxes on corporations and the wealthy and put that money back into government health care, education, and other programs. Congressman Colin Allred is a Democrat whose district covers a large portion of northern Dallas County. Here he is with Julian Gromer in an interview recorded on Friday. Joining us with a closer look at the issues surrounding the legislation is the pride of Hillcrest High School, Representative Colin Allred. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right, let's begin with the back and forth among Democrats uh, we've been following here for the past few days. In North Texas, we're hearing about divisions within the party. Do you think your party is united behind President Joe Biden's agenda? I really do. And I know that we've had too much of our negotiations in public. Uh, and to be honest, it's very difficult to have negotiations between the House and the Senate. We have you know, different priorities and we're just different bodies. And you know, I think we've had some senators on both sides of this issue uh, who have been unhelpful in terms of the House. Uh, but I think we are united and we've shown that uh, this is a plan that I think everyone can get behind. The question is kind of the, the order of things uh, and what goes first. But I think we're going to land this plane. Uh, this is too important for the American people. And for North Texas, we have a lot on the line because it's really critical for us, too. Because a representative of the politics uh, in your party, in the delegation, in, you know, in Washington now, do you think we'll see this kind of fight with other issues as well? Is this sort of the new normal where you're going to have to fight hard to get the president's agenda passed? Well, we have a very you know, small margin of error uh, in the House and the Senate. And what we're talking about here uh, through the Build Back Better Act is what's called the reconciliation process, meaning that we have to you know, pass this through the House and get all 50 senators on board with it. Uh, and that's difficult to do at any time, to have every single Democrat basically agree uh, to get on board with something, because if you have just one or two holdouts, uh, then suddenly uh, the package can, can change. But what we've been very successful so far with the American Rescue Plan, uh, really saving the American economy, putting us on a footing to beat uh, this virus. And we're going to keep doing that with the Build Back Better Act. And I, so I think we'll get there. I don't think this is going to be the new normal for us. This is a very big deal. And, and this is really transformative legislation. And that's part of why there's so much back and forth about it. Representative, to follow up on that, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin laid out his price tag for the budget re reconciliation bill. That's at $1.5 trillion. Now, the legislation does include some of the president's top priorities, including Medicare expansion, clean energy funding, paid leave, child care. Will the Democrats in the House go for that, for the $1.5 you know, trillion? Number, yeah, I think the top line number is less important. And, and the reason I say that is because it really is fungible. It depends on how long these programs last. It depends on what programs end up in. And so I think we have to really drill down on what's actually going to be in this package. And, and you named some of the really critical ones. 
whether it's childcare uh, or the environment or, of course, infrastructure, uh, there is really a lot of agreement on all of these things. And so the, the overall question is, how long are we going to have these benefits go? Is it going to be, uh, you know, going forward? Or is it for a five-year period or a 10-year period? And that affects that top-line number. But we're going to do these things. And, you know, I took paternity leave to be with my uh, sons when they were born. I want every American to be able to do that. For us in Texas, Medicaid expansion, which is on the table here, would give maybe a million and a half Texans health insurance. I mean, this is really big stuff for us. You know, I was going to ask you or, or Julie to say the Build Back Better Act 10 times real fast. <laughs> Julie gonna, cannot do that. But we're going to talk about redistricting right now. Under the map proposed by the Texas Senate, North Texas does not get an additional seat. As you know, there were two new districts earmarked for Texas. We've seen explosive growth in our area. Are you surprised that North Texas was shut out? I am. I am surprised that we didn't get a new district here. And, you know, I've thought for some time that this should not be in politicians' hands. Uh, and now going through the process, really having no input into it, to be honest with you, but going through it as someone who's being subjected to it, I feel even more strongly that politicians should not really have this within their grasp. Because you know, this is not just about, you know, the outcomes of, of who gets elected and, and what party they're going to be from. This is about communities and whether those communities have a voice in their state capital, in their capital in Washington, D.C., and when you draw lines that then mute the voices of some communities, you hurt the overall impact of our democracy. You may feel, feel like their vote doesn't count, and you can have a suppressive impact just from doing that. And so that you know, I'm really concerned uh, with the maps that we've seen in the State House and Congressional, that the folks may feel that it's not important for them to come out and be involved and, and that their community isn't being heard. Before we let you go, your district, it will see some changes. It likely becomes more Democratic if this map stands. How do you see things shaping up in District 32? Well, I don't know. I know that we are a long way from being done here. And I think that you know, the State House is, is certainly going to have uh, their own uh, weighing in. And then there's going to be a lot of lawsuits. And I think there uh, are clearly some uh, examples that lawsuits may be successful, you know, given that we did have so much growth. Uh, here in North Texas. We had so much Latino growth here in North Texas. And so we'll have to see how this plays out. I've always tried uh, to make sure that I'm focused on the folks that I'm representing and trying to deliver for them. And, you know, it's where I'm from. And, and this is a community that I care about very deeply. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm going to try and you know, stick to that. And we'll see where the final maps land. And, and I'll try and do my best to continue to represent North Texas wherever uh, the final you know, district boundaries are. Really quick, Representative, next year midterm elections always can be deadly for the party in power. Can you hold, can your party, the Democrats, hold the House? I really think so. I really think so. And I think that we've seen some shifts in terms of who comes out that I think is going to impact that, but also that we're going to be delivering. Uh, and I think we've, we have helped save the American economy with some of these major pieces of legislation that we passed. Once we pass the Build Back Better Act, I think we'll see you know, so many of those benefits flowing to people and actually feeling the impact of having gone out and voted in the pandemic in record numbers and that they'll come back out again and then we'll be able to hang on. But either way, you know, I think elections, particularly when you are the party in power, are all about what you did while you were there. And I think that's what we're trying to do right now. That's what these discussions are about right now, is making sure that we do deliver for folks so that they feel that their vote counts and that it will count again in the next election. Congressman, we always appreciate you. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Shifting gears to local news, in the wake of corruption cases in recent years, the city of Dallas on Monday released an ethics reform plan, something Mayor Eric Johnson said was a priority when he was elected two years ago. 
At that time, the city was just coming out of the Dallas County Schools scandal, which resulted in former city council member Dwayne Carraway going to prison. In a separate case, the developer was also convicted of paying bribes to Carraway and former council member Carolyn Davis. So Johnson appointed attorney Tim Powers to be ethics reform czar. Powers assembled a task force that reviewed existing city codes and ethics policies from other cities. The primary suggestion was to create an inspector general's office to oversee ethics complaints and enforcement in the city. Johnson joins Julian Gromer to discuss. Joining us with a closer look is Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson. Mr. Mayor, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Always good to see you guys. It's been a long time. Yeah, been a while, nice. yeah. The reforms, uh, the reform outline deal with, compli with compliance handling and campaign pain finance, to name a, a few areas. It also includes a call for the city to create an office of inspector general to handle city misconduct complaints. What's your reaction to all of these recommendations? Well, I think that the report is excellent. I'm very proud of the work that uh, Chairman Powers did um, with generating some very, very concrete recommendations that are going to really transform our city government that does business. The main recommendation being the creation of an Office of Inspector General. That is going to be a game changer for our city. It would be a person who would independently investigate and prosecute ethics complaints as opposed to relying on private citizens to have to ferret these uh, complaints out, do all the research, do all the investigating themselves, and then uh, bring complaints forward. So that would be a very, very big improvement on how we handle ethics complaints at the city. There are a lot of recommendations here. Are you confident they'll be approved by the council? Well, I don't want to get out ahead of the council, but I will tell you the process is going to be that the ad hoc committee uh, on general investigating ethics, which is chaired by uh, Councilwoman Kara Mendelson, is going to hear Chairman Powers' report. Um, they're going to take a look at the recommendations and then make whatever changes, if any, um, that they want to make to it, and then hopefully vote it out very quickly to the full council. And the full council will have the opportunity then to weigh in on it and hopefully um, vote out. Uh, an ordinance that will become the law of the city of Dallas and will change um, how we do business here and make sure that uh, everyone knows that doing business in the city of Dallas is something that is done above board and that we have a very clean um, and ethical city government. Yeah, ethics reform has been something that's, you know, really been, you know, tried and, and pushed and needed here for a long time. But let's talk about the city council uh, budget that just passed for the next fis fiscal year. Uh, there's money for police, a new, uh, for about, what, 250 new officers. And then there are big plans to fix the streets. Can you talk about uh, uh, this and the fight to sort of uh, fight crime, but also fix crumbling roads? Well, we, we've come a long way in a year. I'll say that. I voted against the budget last year because it did not adequately fund public safety. And it certainly didn't do much uh, with respect to giving folks tax relief if we weren't going to do what we need to do on public safety. Um, this year's budget was a different story. Uh, the vote in favor of the budget was overwhelming. It was a 13 to 2 vote. And I support the budget this year because we are doing what you mentioned, Grover. We are going to hire 250 more officers this coming year, which is a big increase over what we had planned to do originally. Uh, the city manager, um, heard from me early on. I asked for 275 officers. We ended up with 250. 
on net that should grow our department by about 45 officers next year which is what we need to be doing in dallas we're in the middle of a violent crime spike and there's no question our police chief has said for him to be able to do what he needs to do to get violent crime going down in the city he needs more officers been doing it very successfully a few um, select areas of our city but to do it in more places we need more officers Mayor, you sort of touched on this when you talked about not voting for the budget last time. The relationship between you and some city council members seemed to have improved after a rocky period. What do you attribute all that to? I mean, I, I could attribute it to a lot of things, but the, the main thing I would say is uh, the pandemic made it very challenging to communicate effectively. Uh, we, just, we weren't here. We weren't, we weren't allowed to meet in person for a year. And that, and that takes its toll on a body. And so I think uh, to the city council's credit, um, we, we've all taken advantage of being able to be in person again. We had a retreat early on once we elected this new council, and we bonded very successfully around common uh, common values, what we want to do for our city. So I think everyone has you know really sort of uh, come together around this agenda of getting back to basics and delivering better home safety and basic services to our residents. And now we're ready to build for the future, and we're ready to take that agenda to the next level next year. But there's, I've not seen this level of enthusiasm, cooperation, comedy, um, unity at City Hall in, in quite some time. But I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we are now back together again physically. Mr. Mayor, in about 10 seconds, we've talked about ethics reform, the budget, crime, uh, fixing roads. What's the next big thing? Just really quick. Workforce development is something I talked about when I was running for mayor, and it's something that we should be getting a report on very soon from a very, very talented group, a consulting group and an outside working group is putting forward some recommendations very similar to ethics reform. We went outside of City Hall to get some recommendations from the real world, and hopefully we'll be implementing some of those recommendations in the next budget to help improve our workforce in this city, which is the, the next big step to us becoming um, the best city we can possibly be. Mayor, we appreciate you joining us. We haven't seen you for a long time in person either, so thanks for joining us virtually. Great to see you guys. I missed you. You can see the plan on our website, NBCDFW.com. Just search ethics. Turning to state politics now, a Quinnipiac poll of registered Texas voters released last week gave mixed reviews to Governor Greg Abbott. 48% of voters approved of the job he's doing, while 46% disapproved. Additionally, 49% of voters have a favorable opinion of Abbott, compared to 43% unfavorable. Bob Garrett is the Austin Bureau Chief for the Dallas Morning News and has his pulse on the state capitol. Here he is with Julian Gromer. Bob Garrett, the Austin Bureau Chief for the Dallas Morning News, joins us now with a closer look. Bob, what do you see there? I think the the governor's people will say this poll under sampled Republicans, but it's very similar on the job rating to our poll, Gromer, uh, which showed him at about a 45 percent approval, the lowest we've had. This was the lowest Quinnipiac had had. I think I think Texans are increasingly souring on Greg Abbott, even though it's a Republican state and he's still the the front runner to win reelection. All right, let's talk about the results when people were asked about possible candidates for governor. When asked about Beto O'Rourke, if he would make a good governor or not, 33% answered yes, 50% answered no. As for Matthew McConaughey, 25% answered he would make a good governor, 
49% answered no. Gromer, what do you think of those numbers? Well, first, what Beto O'Rourke shows that he has work to do. We do believe that he's running. But if he, when he does get in, we know he's going to raise money, but he has to fix those negatives. And in terms of McConaughey, still an, an unwritten book yet. And Bob, real quick, let's talk about vaccine mandates for a moment. Senator Ted Cruz tweeted his support for a few NBA players who had not gotten vaccinated. I'll start with you there, Bob. Well, you know, Senator Cruz is always looking for an issue that will get him attention. And if uh, in the middle of a pandemic, if he's going to, you know, take his stand supporting people that won't get vaccinated, that just sort of fits his, uh, his M.O. True to form, to quote Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> Finally, let's look at the audit of the 2020 election in Texas. The Secretary of State's office announced the audit just a day after former President Donald Trump suggested Abbott order one. The state said no third parties would be used to conduct the audit, which will include Collin, Dallas, Harris, and Tarrant counties. Trump won Texas in 2020 by five and a half percentage points, and there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud in the state. Bruce Sherbet is the elections administrator in Collin County, a position he's held since 2015. Before that, he was elections administrator in Dallas County for 24 years and in Ellis County for two. So if anyone in North Texas knows this stuff, it's him. And here he is with Julian Gromer. Bruce, thanks so much for being with us. Um, let's begin with this. I mean, we learned details this week of what this review will entail. Phase one, it seems like you've done a lot of it already. Yes, phase one is something that really can be done remotely from the state level uh, because they have all the documents online, uh, like the manual recounts we do after the election, the, the election security assessments, uh, the voter file reviews. They have all of that at their disposal now. So that, that's being done as we speak. Uh, the, the phase two is going to require some on-site uh, participation at the state level because the documents are secured at the county's locations. Uh, Bruce, have you ever done anything like this uh, before this kind of audit? I know there have been, in the past, you've had to have recounts and audits and things like that when necessary, but have you ever done anything like this at this point in, a, in an election process? No. I never had something, uh, an audit from the state that goes into so much detail like we're seeing uh, now. They've they've always monitored because the, the, at the state, the Secretary of State's the chief election officer. So they do right. keep a close eye on things, but not to the level of what we're seeing for this audit. Bruce, you know, a lot of people I'm sure have seen the, uh, you know, the video and the pictures from Arizona where you had it. That was a third party group. And we are told here by the Secretary of State's office that no outside group will be used. But I mean, should we expect to see um, people from the Secretary of State's office coming in and actually recounting, going through the machines, looking at each ballot? Well, that's certainly on, on the table as an option for them. The way that it's been explained to me is the phase two part will be going over all of the documentations. Uh, and that means the, the rosters, the signature rosters, the poll list, the the uh, ballot counting tapes that, that come from the equipment, the equipment itself. Also logic and accuracy tests that we do before and during and after election processes. So they're going to start with going over all the documents. Now, if that leads into going to a further dive 
they have that option absolutely to go in and to hand count the ballots. All of that is secured and all of, all of that is available at their disposal. Now, I know you can only speak for Collin County, but is, is this an ex exercise that will likely change any results or, uh, you know, will you come out and restate that, hey, you know, uh, Matt Shaheen, Jeff, Jeff Leach, Leach won in the, in the Texas House. Will you have to do that kind of thing or is this about something else? Well, we're very confident uh, in our processes, and we had a very good and smooth election in uh, the presidential election, cross T's and dotted I's. So I'm not expecting anything uh, of that nature to, to come out of here. We're, we're fully confident and will assist in any way possible. What may happen is we see that there are some procedures that we want to tighten up on. We might want to change some of our processes a little bit. For example, maybe our chain of custody will enhance some of our documents documentation or do do something that we learned through this thorough audit might be an enhancement in the process. I'm not expecting anything to change except for maybe uh, if there's something that we want to tweak in the process of documents, for example. And, and when did you learn about the audit that you would have to do it? I learned about the audit the same time you learned about the audit. In fact, I learned, I was watching TV at home on a Thursday night. I started getting media calls and uh, asking about it. Um, I didn't know anything about it. So uh, it, we were learning about it at the same time. Were you surprised? Uh, well, a surprise to be caught off guard a little bit, I guess. Uh, honestly, you know, I wasn't really thinking that was coming down the, the way, but uh, certainly not upset by it, just... Uh, just uh, would have been better to learn a little bit more ahead of time than to, to heard it kind of last minute, I guess. So Bruce, what would you tell the, the, the voter out there uh, who feels like the election was stolen from Trump or that elections aren't, aren't fair, that they're rigged or, or something's wrong with the process? What would you tell that voter? I, I tell the voter, I, I've been doing this for over 30 years, uh, and I can tell you there are many, many, many safeguards built into the election process. And it, it starts from the testing of your equipment. It goes all the way through your training. It goes into the extent that all the polling places have uh, bipartisan participation. They have poll watchers that can observe, state inspector, federal observers could even observe. There are many, many checks and balances in our processes. It is a secure process. Uh, I, I want voters to be confident. It concerns me most that, that if we have voters are losing confidence in the process, I would just say, please get involved and learn more about, about things because you will know that there are things you can do to even observe the processes while they're going on to make sure that these things are done correctly. Also, the ability to go back and count ballots afterwards, hand count ballots, to verify accuracies of the results. Uh, it, it saddens me to think that, that we may be losing some confidence in our, our, our process, and I hope I can do anything I can on my part to, to instill uh, the transparency of it and, and the security that are in place for, for anyone wanting to vote in elections. Bruce, appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. My Take pleasure. care. Thanks to Congressman Colin Allred, Mayor Eric Johnson, Bob Garrett, and Bruce Sherbet for joining the show this week. 
Stay up to date with everything Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.